1: Good evening everybody. Thanks for tuning in. This is Jacob Daniel. This is the Daniel 3 podcast. Thanks for joining us tonight. Um, so this is the second episode uh, since my uh, hiatus ended. So we're back to doing, it be weekly for a while for the most part. Um, but I do have some great episodes coming down the pipeline. And um, so let me announce what I got coming up just uh, to get the show started while people maybe still be rolling in. Um, tonight, of course, I'm interviewing David Brady from the uh, Road to Providence podcast. Um, next Sunday, I will be having Andrew from Popular Liberty back on to uh, continue the discussions that we've been having on the Christian definition of love and how that applies to libertarian philosophy. Um On my other podcast, on the uh, Pennsylvania Mises Caucus podcast, I'll be having Joel Getz on. uh, That's the 4th, so that's the the Monday following uh, uh, my episode with Popular Liberty. Uh, Then there's a little bit of a a gap there where I, I might be doing an episode, but I haven't scheduled anybody yet. April 14th, James, gentlemen, and... Of the Blackbird podcast and Jose Galisson of No Way Jose are returning to the show, um, and I don't know what exactly. Actually, I think uh, somebody else is joining us for that episode too, and I can't remember who. But anyway, we're going to have a conversation about something. Anytime I uh, I have Jose or uh, James on, it's always a great conversation. And then April nineteenth, I have this really uh, you know obscure comedian coming on named dave smith i don't really know much about him i i i don't know i i hear he's okay although he might be a little um i i, I don't know some, some people say he's not that funny but you can't be he can't be worse than adam nutter right i mean he's gotta be funnier than adam so uh so yeah that's what's coming up on the podcast um over the next uh, few weeks or so um my website is currently down right now because i'm kind of uh, revamping it and stuff and, and doing some things differently with my with my branding and all that. So the website, if you go to it, is not there, but uh, we'll be back up probably the next week or two. It's daniel318.com. And if you want to support the show because, uh, you know, times are tough and finding time to do this kind of stuff is uh, harder than it used to be. Um, but, you know, I, I want to do this show and I want to do it well. I don't want to uh you know half asset and and you know it costs you know there's some money involved in doing this in equipment in uh you know the streaming software and uploading it for the audio listeners and all that you know and time spent away from my family you know because I work full time so um you know patreon.com slash biblical anarchy you know even if you just want to drop five bucks or something you know I greatly appreciate any financial support which enables me to continue doing the show and hopefully provide you guys value with the conversations that I have with people on here. So, uh, that's it. Um, so let's bring on, so this is a person that, um, actually I think I was their second or third episode on, on his show. Um, and I was I, I was not I hadn't never heard of him before before I came on. And then I was getting interviewed and I was like, uh this this person could is almost young enough that they could be my child. I was like, how is this person so so uh advanced in libertarianism already? He's making me feel uh in inferior and, and weak. So Uh, but he's kind of exploded into our spaces. He's all over Twitter uh, and uh, jumping onto all different podcasts and having some great people on his as well. So I, uh, yeah, we have him on tonight. He is Mr. David Brady. David, how are you doing tonight?
2: I'm doing wonderful, Jacob. How are you doing today? I saw Daniel make a comment about Crowder in the in the in the live chat i said hey i got my mug right here from back when i was a crowder fan so i decided to
1: ah see, unveil see, back, that. back in my brief stop in the neoconservative train i was on i was a uh ben shapiro leftist tears tumbler. um so so we were we were uh enemies i guess when we were when we were in our neocon phases <laughs>
2: I, I wouldn't say neocon. I was more like a paleocon back in the day. Like my dad is still a paleocon. Like he's a big Pat Buchanan fan. Okay. Which is like, hey, that makes him better than ninety percent, ninety-five percent of conservatives. So sure, hey, sure. I, I'll take it. But I, 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 I definitely. Um, oh, Daniel's saying that's a different. That's a different crowder. oh, well, uh, you got that mug today. All right. So I'm. I mean, hey, that's what I got, man.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Um, I but, but the best comment here, Adam is pretty unfunny. I mean, but he oh, is yeah. pretty. I'll give him that. Like, he's pretty. So at least he looks good while he's up there and, you know making people awkwardly stare at him as he talks about his genitals for uh, <laughs> 30 minutes. <laughs> oh,
2: Lord, I, I really like Adam. Like I, I genuinely like Adam. I, I haven't listened too much of his, to too much of his comedy usually because I'm busy when like the cult of us is on and I haven't gotten to hear him live, but I've had Adam on my show. He's great. He's an oh, yeah. awesome I, I, guy.
1: No, Adam is actually really funny. And the, the funny thing is I've seen his uh, show, uh, like his comedy skit so many times now. And, I know what jokes are coming and they still make me laugh because he's actually really good at delivering them and he'll just slightly change the delivery each time. So he's actually really good at what he does, but I don't, I don't know. Twitter has turned into like me and 10 other guys constantly trying to one up each other, Adam and the tower gang and all them. And so Mm -hmm. it, it gets to a point where it's like, you know, how far do we take this? And (laughs) it reaches some, some pretty, uh, you know, every once in a while it reaches, it reaches heights that are a little like, okay, we, 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 we better come down because we're going to, um, get, get, get all, you know, get each other kicked off of social media. If we keep on keeping on, uh, Hey, Caleb, uh, um, thanks for stopping by. Um, so yeah, so let's get into the conversation here. So, you actually mentioned something. You said your uh, father was a Pat Buchanan fan. So um, yeah. I wanted to ask you a little bit about how you were raised, and sort of like uh, you know, both both religiously and politically, and then kind of use that as a springboard for the rest of the conversation. Because uh, I got to tell you, man, you got a lot more stuff figured out than uh, I. mean, I don't even know how old you are, but uh, but, but you're definitely seventeen. Yeah, you got a lot more figured out at your age than I did. Um, I was from your age till about, um, about 24. I was, uh, you know, pretty far on the left. I was a Bernie Sanders supporter when he came out. Uh, yeah, my, my voting record is pretty, uh, uh, horrible. Um, I've, I've never voted Republican and I've only voted for one libertarian and that was Joe Jorgensen. And, but yeah, I voted for Bernie Sanders in 2015 primaries and then I voted for Hillary Clinton in the 2016 general election. Yeah, no, it's, I mean,
2: that, that hurts to hear like that, that hurts to hear as, as like somebody who really loves the issues of foreign policy, like not love them as in like, I enjoy like what's going on as I love talking about it. Like Scott Horton turned me into a, a foreign policy libertarian. Um, hearing that hurts because like i remember like as a kid like back in 2012 and i was like i was like 10 years old or something like that oh god i don't even remember how old i don't want to do the math right now but i was like all on board because i saw the i saw the the ads and they were all like trump is literally the devil so i was like all on board like trump will never be president you know like that one's george clooney clip and uh i hate and i was like all on board like hillary hillary's qualified why not like i was a stupid kid but like hearing that now it's just like it hurts but hey, you still because got a better voting record than me. You've actually voted for a libertarian. I have not.
1: <laughs> well, th- when I tell that story, I usually follow it up by going, "Well, actually, no, I voted for Hillary, Hillary Clinton, so I did vote for a Republican." Um, oh, but shit. yeah, <laughs> but You're uh, wrong. right. So so yeah, let's let's go a little bit into the, your uh, you know, a- a- evolution to to how you, you know came to the views you had today so uh you know how how were you raised you know what your parents political and religious views and um how'd you how'd you you know figure all this out so quick
2: so if we really want to trace it back um as a kid i was like my parents were kids of the 90s like they grew up as teenagers in the 90s uh so i was raised essentially like you know i was taught like the basic things you know like leave people alone don't take their stuff being be kind to people you know race isn't really something that we care about all that much you know you know being colorblind you know it's more about a person's character than their race or whatever like i was raised like that which is a weird thing to say nowadays rather than like i'm not somebody who is like taught race essentialism like so many people are today and like even i just see in school nowadays so i was basically taught you know don't hurt people don't take their stuff i don't care what they do with their lives it's not my life i just don't want as long as it's not affecting me i don't give a crap you know you know basic like very i guess like ankle deep in the waters of like libertarian-esque kind of policies Uh, i wasn't really paying attention to politics until like 2016 when i started seeing ads on tv about it you know normal kid stuff and then i kind of like delved into it and then here i am uh as for like parents religiously um i'm i i was technically i'm kind of raised like more like agnostic But, like, leaning towards Christianity, like, we'd read the Bible, like, not, like, the actual Bible, but, like, shorter stories or, like, abridged versions of the Bible and Bible stories. We'd read about these, you know, my mom's like, we'll learn about these morals and ethics. Like, my mom is very much agnostic. She's somebody who's, like, I don't know the answers. I don't feel that I can adequately answer to that. So, she didn't, I don't know, she she's kind of really agnostic. I don't know about my dad necessarily. I I I'm pretty sure he believes in God, at least in some form. I haven't gotten too deep into those conversations with him because I know it's like a deeply personal thing for him for my father. Yeah, his his grandmother is Jewish, like religiously Jewish and ethnically Jewish. So I guess that makes me a little bit Jewish. So that's where I that's where I make some of those jokes sometimes. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, so my
1: my 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 dad was raised Jewish and then uh his my my grandmother converted uh my dad's family to christianity back when he was like 13 or something so but 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 i have a connection to my my jew my jewish heritage still uh a little bit so yeah i like to you know i I like to claim the uh you know the, the favor of the 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 people as they're as they're called to sometimes but um oh lord yeah so the um yeah, you know, there's a lot of people out there who I think don't have any deep religious views, but they still kind of hold a reverence for the Bible because they, I think they, you know, recognize to to some extent that morality can't come from, a, I guess, like my opinion would be like b- morality can't come from a vacuum, like and to, and mm-hmm. to try to just teach to try to teach kids like you know you know taking things is is wrong and you know, treat people with respect the way you want to be treated and stuff. Like yeah. th- those are true statements, but they don't really, there's not a lot of uh, utility or um, uh, ease of translation in trying to convey those messages to, to young kids. Whereas stories, yeah. you know, that like the Bible have, um, you know, convey those things often in, in ways that are, uh, you know, less, explicit and more implicit and so that you know the the kids learn the lesson without actually knowing they're they're learning the lesson Mm -hmm. so yeah you know they're so so yeah that sounds like maybe that's what your, you know your parents did a little bit of Um, so uh where did uh you know when did you first you know learn about libertarianism and you know what was your kind of intro into that
2: okay so I feel like it's like better if we like transfer and we go a little bit further beyond like you know that hey, Hillary Clinton it seems okay because she's qualified thing that I went through as a, like a 12 year old or something. So after that, I learned uh, I was like, Trump, he's a Russian asset, you know, it was like the TV's telling me so, so I believe it. And so I like kind of like hopped on this train of believing them as like a stupid kid. and then I slowly see that the media is lying about this stuff. I'm like, something doesn't add up here. And then the Mueller report comes out and it's like, they lied about all this. Why would they lie about the president? And so I already began to tr- hate them and like the left was so insane. And like my mom voted for Hillary as in the, at that time. And I don't know, she'll probably hate that I told people that. Uh, but she did at the time because she was kind of like me, you know, TV told her so. So um, I was like, I just hated the left. And Trump seemed like the thing. That was like a post to the left, so I kind of hump- hopped on the Trump train. Although it was painful because, like, you'd have to defend Trump for all of his stupid things, and like, I didn't know like all of his policies and stuff like I do now that makes me legitimately hate the guy. Uh, but I kind of like hopped on the Trump train, you know, kind of delved into like the Ben Shapiro-esque kind of you know conservative stuff. I started watching Crowder, which I think kind of gave me like a little bit more acceptance of like, hey, small government values, albeit the politicians Crowder supported. They're not necessarily small government politicians, but it gave me kind of like a, a like I liked capitalism for sure. Uh, so Q, my dad starts watching Tim Pool when Tim Pool starts like getting more of an audience and Michael Malice goes on a show. I don't know. Michael Malice. I love the guy. He's amazing. The dream to get Twitter follow from him and Day Smith. Those are the goals. But Michael Malice goes on Tim Poole show for the very first time. And he's discussing how the media lies and works with the government to get wars to happen because they profit off of wars. And this really opens my eyes. It's like, holy crap. The media are all warmongers. And so I really become a fan of Michael Malice's appearance. And slowly, my dad also kind of watched part of the problem occasionally. I didn't pay too much attention to it. I was more engrossed with, like, Crowder and Ben Shapiro at the time. But I, I started to like watch Dave Smith and like around the election of 2020, I, I really started to like it. I was like, man, this guy is right about everything. Holy crap. Because Michael Malice had him on, on his show and Michael Malice went on Dave's show. And it's, it's kind of like it spiraled from there. And after January 6th, I kind of like was like, the Republicans don't care about these people. They just abandon everyone. And so I hopped onto the, I, I, I was like, I, I left that. I was like, what is Dave Smith doing? And I go and I find this debate of him versus Nick Sarwark. And I was like, who is this Nick Sarwark guy? I kind of want to ship him in a locker. Let's <laughs> join whatever it is that Dave's doing. And I learn about the Mises Caucus. And that kind of brings me into the Libertarian Party. And from there, I kind of delve into like Scott Horton, further into Murray Rothbard stuff. Like I have a bunch of Murray Rothbard books now. Um, I start learning more about, like, actual libertarian values. Uh, Start watching more shows, more podcasts. Tom Wood Show, Scott Horton Show. Uh, Break the Cycle with Josh Smith. Uh, I hop on Twitter, like, August of... The, this past year after i start like really hopping into the mint into the minnesota Mises caucus stuff and that's how i became really a libertarian i've just delved into it straight from then because i realized the republicans kind of suck and they're not going to be any helpful and then michael mouse is right when he says that they're the they're just progressives driving the speed limit so that's kind of how i came to libertarianism
1: awesome man yeah well so uh, you know i have uh... Kind of, I can understand the route you took, uh, you know, watching podcasts and stuff is how I got into it because the, you know, I was on the left, but, but post Trump, I kind of like by, by the end of 2017, I realized that the left was going completely insane. And that even though I still didn't like Trump, I realized that like they had been lying about him for, you know, like the past year and it was clear how, how biased the media was. So you know, then I went. You know, you start looking into alternative media because you're like trying to find answers. And you know, at first I kind of like you know Ben Shapiro, who is at least good on economics. Helped he's he's me good to, on that. Yeah, you know, so I was able to get kind of an introduction into, you know, at least more liberty-minded free market economics from from Ben. But then I remember I found a video of Tom Woods and Dave Smith. Oh, they were okay. shitting on Ben Shapiro because oh, he yeah. called Ron Paul uh, alt right. And I was like, what the heck is this all about? But that's like the first time I ever watched something from both of those guys. And so then my YouTube, you know, you know, feed started to get filled with a little bit more stuff from the Dave Smith, you know, Tom Woods side of things. And uh, you know, then it, it just all kind of, you know, evolved naturally from there. So um, so yeah, I can I can kind of appreciate the the kind of journey you took. So um, you know, I don't know much about the uh you know i'm a millennial i guess you're part of the gen i guess what you guys call gen z, gen z I guess. That's
2: what yeah call we, they, you know they call us zoomers you know as opposed to like the boomers like people like you stuff like that
1: right yeah so you know what's not now that we've kind of gotten your you know sort of like you know background and story about how you kind of you know came to the positions you hold today you know give us a little bit of you know your opinions on on your your generation and stuff and and kind of where where they sit do they have you know because it it feels like it's a weird time to be like you know a, a youth in our in our society today where you're old enough to kind of be aware of what's going on you know like when I was your age the internet was a thing although social media was not anywhere close to this giant you know like MySpace was still a thing when I was your age, you know what I mean? <laughs> and we didn't we didn't use social media to have giant debate about politics. It was like you know, it was uh it was much more wholesome back then. So, yeah. uh, it, it's it's interesting to me, you know. I, I've al- I've always wondered to to what ex what was what the impact of social media was, and and also just the oh. impact of all the craziness that you know. I mean, I grew up in ni- I grew up kind of like in the post nine eleven era, so. I won't mm. say that there was nothing of significance, but uh, it seems like especially the past, you know, uh, like pretty much since Trump, and then especially in the last two years of the COVID regime, it seems like there's just so much crap going on. And, you know, you guys have, you know, you, you're in school, you're out of school, you're in school, you're yeah. out of school again. You know, I, I, what's the impact that that's had? And, you know, what what, what would you say your, your uh, you know, in, in your opinion, the sort of makeup of of the the Zoomer generation is, as far as their you know political leanings and and the sort of issues that that have been formative in that.
2: So I, let me quickly go grab a book that I feel like perfectly encapsulates a lot of this stuff. Um, this is like the first of his books that I got. Michael Malice's The New Right, and I love this book. It is a wonderful book. I had a blast reading it the first time, but I feel like. Looking at my generation is my generation is very much carved by social media. I think I'm very different from my peers because I didn't join social media until I like until like 2018, you know. Like partway through the Trump thing when I started to realize that I wanted I had more socially conservative per- values and beliefs. So like my most of my generation is very much engrossed in social media. They I think that contributes to a lot of the problems. With my generation, because of course you put people on a platform where suddenly the entire world can judge them. That is not something the human psyche is built for. So if you see like these things like mental illness and such, uh, people are, children are easily influ- uh, I did That was they're easily influenced. And they are now put on the stage that they are not biologically made to deal with. Because again, technology, this technology is a really new thing. So I feel like that contributes to a lot. Uh, but I feel like there's this very big divide between my generation. There's very much those who are come from parents that are like working class, uh, you know, kind of blue, lower white collar jobs. And those who come from like mid to upper um, white collar jobs forward, you know, like more of like the upper class. I feel like there's very much a class divide in like how people perceive politics. And then like those who are like, more of like the working class they t- generally lean more towards like you know conservative culture nowadays and the conservatives are making a lot of ground with youth that's it's surprising i'm i'm like hey if you're winning on the culture war thing i, I don't i don't know maybe it's an okay thing uh then, but then there's also a large group that kind of like goes towards the left because again promising people free stuff um that's it, it's appealing to the youth like hey people don't think about how it take how are these and policies have impacts you know economics on one lesson see the unseen um, know the um the result other co- results as a, as part of your policies you know assess what you what you might not initially assess stuff like that uh free stuff is appealing so a lot of people lean towards the left I think my my generation is very useful in that like we came during covid and that's leaving a lot of people bitter and angry towards things like the educational system and the government which stole you know what two years of our lives that's that's a lot of time that we're forced to just sit at home and do nothing and while maybe things may have been more lax around my area because i live in like a small rural town and like the countryside around there maybe that's a it's a little less of a problem here but like for the vast majority of people my generation they had two two years of their lives stolen their education wrecked and down in the dumps it's gonna leave an impact and i think that's kind of like where we can make grounds there
1: well, at least you know. Now that you told me you live in rural Minnesota. That explains why your internet is. It looks like you're streaming this from a po- a potato. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, man. That's that's um, that's yeah. You know. Um, yeah, no, it sucks sometimes. That sometimes that just happens. So I, I had to give you a little bit of grief for that. Um, yeah, no. And I, I, part of what I've always kind of, and, and you know, there's something similar. I think that the millennial generation, at least the younger uh half of it that that I come from experienced that I think is still going on with gen Z but I think it's just been escalated, which is that the public schooling system is a complete joke and does not prepare oh, yeah. you for life at all and mm-hmm. so you're put into two two lanes right the college the the people who are getting fast tracked to college and the people that are getting fast tracked to either being high school dropouts or uh you know like just kind of like, because of No Child Left Behind, they're getting, uh, you know, passed, quote unquote, you know, through the system until they graduate and they're no longer the school's problem. And this causes a lot of the younger generation, sometimes regardless of how they were raised, to like, they're thrown out into the world or they start to see that they're getting thrown out into the world. And they're like, uh, well, what am I supposed to do? This is way too hard. And I don't know how to handle any of this. And. Uh that makes it much easier for, I think, uh, especially for the Democratic Party to come in with all these, you know, promises of free health care and free college education and, uh, you know, increased social uh, welfare programs because they go like, well, yeah, like, you know, w- w- this is what we need because the world is too hard and we need something to help get our- get ourselves established, which is like, well, you know, I can understand where they're coming from, but this, you know, what they don't recognize is like, well, you know, your, your parents spent thousands of their dollars towards, you know, taxes and stuff for your public education, which ideally should have been what prepared you for, you know, to, to at least be able to when you're 18 and you graduate to be able to. Go and be fairly competitive in the marketplace, but that's just not the norm. So people go out into the the workplace completely unprepared, and and so they're they're much easier, I think, to to take advantage of. Um, especially, you know, it, it, that happens whether you're going out into the workplace or if you go to college. I think then it's like you know you're, you're half of them are going and getting in degrees that they didn't make that decision based upon. Oh well, this is a a uh, career field that that I can you know that I have a natural affinity to that it is going to make me X amount of income when I'm done I can get a job this quickly you know the, the, a lot of them choose these uh college paths that result in completely you know from an economic perspective completely useless degrees and they have all this you know college loan debt that uh you know <laughs> so basically the government like the government's crippling the, I guess to summarize the, the government's crippling the youth and then coming in to the rescue, quote unquote, with a, uh, uh with a wheelchair or a cane saying, look how good we are. We're here to help mm-hmm. you. <laughs> and it, you know, it took me a while to get through the other side of that um, and, and realize that was what happened. Um, yeah. But, but would you, would you agree that, there, that there's, there's part, especially for the part of your generation, that's probably going far, you know, far towards the left i'd imagine that's a big part of it i don't know if uh if there's a lot like my generation we didn't have a lot of this like social progressive stuff thrown at us like a lot of the woke shit i guess as it's called so i don't know how much that's impacted you guys but i wonder if the the economic incentives are still at play there
2: so I, I, I know the quote you were t- you were trying to reference there. Um, the government is good at one thing: breaking your le- legs, handing you a crutch, and telling you you wouldn't be able to walk if it wasn't for them. I don't remember who right. exactly said that quote, uh, but I have definitely seen it because I used to be on iFunny, which is this cursed memes meme app. I don't know, um, but um, definitely COVID really radicalized me against like the educational system. And I think a lot of my peers, like a lot of my peers hate school now and refuse to want to put effort into it because the government took two years of us and like schools did nothing to help you. We're learning just how useless all this information is. And you see, like, I, I know, I think Tom Woods specifically says it where he mentions that if your just child is just gonna be at home, then why not give them the best education possible? You know, bringing the experts to you in any given field spend your own money rather than having your time be wasted by people who t- can't teach the subject well. And it gives parents an insight into what's going on in the classroom, too, all this online stuff. So I feel like, um, yeah, the educational system is definitely doing a lot. Um, those who get fast-tracked to college are just getting pushed towards a progressive indoctrination camp in which they uh, will eventually become just another uh, another kamikaze in the progressive of militia, getting ready to get thrown away and to latch on to whatever blood sport that the corporate press tells them to, you know, I hate universities. The only university that I somewhat like is Hillsdale. That's a nice college in Michigan that I, 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 I quite like. It's, they got a lot going on there. They're very much more of a conservative school. But they've got a lot of stuff going on there. They got Ludwig von Mises' collection there, and they teach Austrian economics, so that's good. But, like, universities, I'm all, like, on for Michael Malice's thing. You know, put the tanks through Harvard yard. I hate those things. Uh, oh, yeah, Daniel said there was a Harry Brown quote, uh, the, the one from earlier. So it's definitely fast tracking there and the economics incentives and like the school definitely does a lot to like fast track and push people. It definitely puts that dividing line. Those who don't succeed very well are probably going to end up more like against the educational system, which tends to be more like along the right nowadays. And then you see those on the left and like, but as far as like the woke stuff and how that implements in school nowadays, oh God, I see it everywhere. Like I I, I take, I take college English classes because why not? I enjoy English. Um, and I see like this woke stuff getting pu- pushed in. Like I see like the mentions of white privilege or like equity and equality. And I just see like in all the critical race theory stuff like James Lindsay. And I delved too much into James Lindsay to, to not see that stuff. So you see all this woke stuff. It shows up, but people don't like it. I guarantee you most people don't like it. Unless you grew up in like a progressive, a super progressive household as a kid, people don't like it. Nobody likes the woke stuff. They find it annoying and degrading and they just want people to shut up and move on. We don't care. About the woke stuff, I don't think it's a popular thing. And it, and there's definitely pushback amongst the youth towards the woke stuff. And that's just going to push people towards groups that aren't woke, like the unlike the Democrats. The Democrats are have embraced stuff. Republicans haven't so much. So a lot of youth are going to go to the Republicans. Maybe when the Libertarian Party gets cleaned up, they'll go to the Libertarian Party.
1: Yeah, I've, always, I've often wondered how because like the millennial generation got raised in this weird like we had a very safe and sheltered upbringing. Then 9-11 happened, Mm -hmm. then the world. And then when like we became teenagers, it was on the, you know, like it was kind of in the later Barack Obama years. And we were like starting to realize how much of, you know, what the Republican Party had fed us in the, you know, early 2000s was a bunch of crap. And these foreign entanglements were, you know, a complete waste of time. and, And we were lied to about that. Um, but that's when like a lot of that woke stuff started to creep out there and it, but it wasn't like, it, it was in the public education we were given, but it wasn't super like recognizable yet. Like, cause I, I think like it was still hard to, it was, it was in like an in-between stage where it was hard to distinguish what was changing from the old just, like, oh, we're teaching history and just teaching about slavery mm-hmm. and the Civil yeah. Rights Act to, oh, like, we're teaching you this, but with this sort of, like, you know... uh
2: the critical so race theory like yeah, the 1619 yeah, project like right, like exactly. history is just that uh, oppressors versus the oppressed in the and the white race has been uh has historically in america that's all they've done they've just oppressed everyone that's all that happens like when a lot of the stuff you like there's a lot of there's a lot of different conflicts there are, there are conflicts on race in history and i fully acknowledge that honestly i'm getting sick and tired of hearing about race in my history class like i really am sick of it uh but like because, like, there's just the constant nagging and pushing against and I'm just sick of being told I'm a horrible person for being white, you know? It's, it's, it's annoying. But then there's, like, there's class conflict, too, you know? Like, there's that stuff, too. It's like, I'm sick of being told that, like, the oppressor versus oppressed narrative that's been being forced down, like, history a lot of the time.
1: Well, and, you know, part of why I think that, you know, all these things have evolved, at least my perspective, is a lot of this is a, not just a... You know, some people would label it as a you know anti enlightenment or anti, you know America anti Western thing. But but ultimately, you know, and and uh, you know, I'm I'm definitely being I guess religiously partisan here. But I've often viewed this stuff as the the ultimate goal was that it's anti Christian, um, and and I think there's a a very like deep seated like although there is a deep seated like you know bias towards you know I guess like you know whiteness in general and colonialism and and americanism in a in a lot of this crap there also seems to me to be a very anti-christian sentiment to it and honestly that was why when the left started to embrace that stuff more because i was a christian that was kind of what kept me from going along with them was that stuff kind of you know was an anchor that kept me from getting pulled too far that direction um and then so then i kind of drifted back and you know uh started starting exploring that stuff more and you know obviously this podcast has been a bit of a uh um part of that that personal journey i went on because i i started to try to you know connect the dots and make my my uh make my faith and my religious views you know something that that they you know that that i didn't want to live my life in a very hyper compartmentalized way where it's like you know well sometimes i'm Wearing my Christian hat, and sometimes I'm wearing my libertarian hat. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, yeah. I just want to be. I, I want my views to be consistent from, uh, you know, from 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 you know the ground up, and, and not to have to, you know, wear different hats for different situations and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. So. I don't know. I'd be curious to get you know. I know you said your parents you know read the Bible to you and stuff growing up, and um, you know what 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 are you what are your you know where are you at right now as far as your your views on 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 religion and maybe how how all that ties into everything.
2: So first, I want to touch on like the anti Christian thing, and that's very much like a a part of this woke critical race theory and like critical theory thing. there's very much an anti Christian thing because. Um, part of Marx's whole thing is that he talked about the destruction of ideology and he wants to destroy ideology and he perceives like Christianity and the church as like part of this ideology that prevents us from reaching the, you know, the communist utopia and like Paulo Fre- 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 Fieri, Freire, Freire, I don't know. I don't, I, I, I mispronounced his name there. He's been, he was in the seventies, he was all inserting like this critical theory stuff into schools and it's just grown. It's kind of catalyzed here because... I'm assuming after Occupy Wall Street, the state wanted to keep us divided. I mean, like you didn't see the woke stuff really before too much before Occupy Wall Street happened. So, uh, it's it's really I, I would say like there's definitely like an anti-Christian aspect to it, but it's like very much like anti-liberal because it's a very Marxian thing that's going on here. Uh, but.
1: And to be clear, like uh, it's an anti-Christian thing. I don't think it's anti-religion because I think it almost is its own yeah, religion. It's a religion. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think it's p- part of what this this movement broadly is is is, is it's basically it, it, it's almost a bastardized version of Christianity sometimes because it's sort of taken in my in my opinion certain Christian themes like let's say like the, the, there's parts in the Bible that talk about how like the meek shall inherit the earth, and sort of like the weak shall be strong, and and, and whatnot. Uh, and it's sort of like, uh, but it's taken those things and sort of perverted them, both mm-hmm. by twisting them, but also by like just putting forth those themes without the broader religious context of like the rest of the Bible. Yeah. And it's sort of like it's made a it's made being a victim. And being victimized of virtue. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's almost yeah. like it's it's a real it's a it's a religion of victim class struggle. Yeah. Uh, and 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 that's sort of like your salvation comes not from Jesus, it comes from recognizing that you're an oppressor or recognizing mm-hmm. or or owning your victimhood and uh yeah. you know going to society and uh loudly laying at their feet all the ways in which that people are victimizing you. It's, 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 I mean, it's, uh it's so culty that it's like, it's, it's one of the major reasons why I'm not putting my kids through public school because it's just, you know, it's, that stuff is just so pervasive that it's, and sometimes it's so pernicious that it's like, you're not gonna, you know, cause I, one of the reasons why conservatives lose me with this whole little bit of a tangent here, but when, but uh, you can chime in on it, too, and then maybe we can get back to my the question I asked you. But, like, conservatives are like, oh, we got to take critical race theory out of schools. And I'm just like, how? Like, what law is going to really stop them from doing that? Like, maybe they'll stop doing it explicitly, but that's not really where the danger is anyway. The danger is that they're teaching everything through this worldview. And it colors everything that they do. And the danger isn't in the explicit teaching of critical race theory, in my opinion, but rather through the brainwashing of our youth by uh submersing them in a critical uh a critical theory landscape where like you're teaching yeah, like things in dichotomy. ways that are just very yeah, that you're teaching things in ways that are purposely uh you're presenting facts in a very biased uh way and a very you know biased set of facts you're not giving kids the whole picture and and sort of like in in these teachers view themselves as activists and they're pushing their worldview on people and they're very sneaky about it it's like there's Mm -hmm. no to me there's no amount of legislation that could uh properly address the issue so yeah, yeah,
2: that's like probably one of the things that I most frustrated with conservatives as someone who like once identified as a conservative, like, it's one of my things that I disdain and I hate about conservatives It's just that they're so like, we'll just go and we'll fix we'll go and we'll fix it and then it'll be a fine. and like all these institutions will be fine. We just got to fix them and make them non woke. It's like, that's not the point. What they're doing is they've explicitly they, they control these things. If you don't quit sending your child to Caesar and be being surprised when they come back being Romans. Right. You know, <laughs> stop sending your child to quit sending your children to people who hate you. Like seriously, that's like stop sending them to these public schools. I know it's difficult. And that's why I'm all on board. Like on this is school choice. Like while we have government funded schools, school choice, totally thing I'm on board for. But it's like stop sending your children to enemy to your enemies. Or if you're gonna do it, at least send them armed. You know, make sure not like actually armed. Don't take that like that way. But like, you know, knowing what this stuff is and able to reject this like this gross of Marxian equity and equality stuff. And just like you're sending your child to the people who hate you and who hate your values. And you're surprised when your child comes home as like a social progressive and is everything you hate. And you wonder, how are the youth ending up like this? I thought we could do it. No, you're sending your child to your enemies. Quit doing that.
0: Maybe yeah, if you no, stop doing that, then you
2: would have less of a problem, you know. Like my 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 younger my younger sisters. I have a sister who's like six and a six sister who's three. I love them to death, but with what's been going on? I've convinced my mom. They don't don't bring them to the public school system. Like please, God, don't, don't make them go through that. Like I realize how useless it was for me and how much of just you're sending your chil- children to enemies. So my younger sisters, they're gonna be homeschooled the reason i'm not doing awesome. homeschool is because i'm almost towards the end and i already can yeah, see all the, all the yeah. nonsense i'm just going to get it done with and then i can leave and go to like a community college for mass communications or something i don't know
1: yeah no 100% that's that's awesome though they, they, they're going to homeschool the the younger ones now um i mean it's and like i'm doing that right now with my kids like my oldest is 6 so we've started doing that and i don't i just to me it's just it, it it's more intuitive like and it, it, the public school system. I mean, it's like public school, uh, public education system is socialism, and like all forms of socialism, it makes people lazy, right? So, uh, publics the public school system incentivizes parents to be very hands off with their children, whereas us homeschooling our kids, it's like we're very hands on and uh, you know very involved in helping them to learn. And you know, my experience is that my my six year old loves doing homeschool in fact like he was crying right when, when we took him to bed tonight because he came to a, on a sunday night again imagine a kid on a sunday night coming to a, their parents going i want to do class you oh. know what i mean and then crying when we said all right class you know we got to go to bed no i want to i want to do more schoolwork. it's like what <laughs> like that's, that's that that was not me i mean and i was okay at school like I, I you know i was like a's and b's and yeah Honorable and stuff like you know but i, I was never like "Ooh, i want to do tons of schoolwork and stuff on a sunday mm-hmm. night i was playing video games or, or you know yeah. hanging out with friends or something so um but so anyway that's a bit of a tangent um yeah yeah but, I, I,
2: can, I, can i quickly touch on that yeah like, sure the public educational system it makes learning not fun makes it horrible like i don't know i've talked to somebody about this i don't know if they're watching or not i'm not gonna call them out by name but but they know who they are if they're if they're talking about if that i'm talking about them um but like education makes everything unfun and it, it makes it makes reading unfun and it makes like learning unfun because it makes it a chore and they take up more of your time like i love learning like i can go on a tangent like i love reading rothbard because the man is so is so much of a genius and i can learn so much from him
1: well, it's not like, even, I love like, learning about economics. It, it's not even that they make learning unfun. It's that they're not even – you're not actually learning. You're just – like the way the public school system works is not like you're learning skills and you're learning facts in a way that you'll carry them with you. It's like it's, it's strict memorization, regurgitate what you memorized yeah. onto a test, and then move on. And you don't retain like 90% of what you quote-unquote learn in school. It's just yeah. – so no, it's awful. I, I don't know if you know, uh, uh, Jack Lloyd. Um, I, I, who,
2: I watch his his show sometimes like zero yeah. state, like his newest one. I watch I watch the one that you were on.
1: Yeah. But Jack's a Charlie really good. Nice. He has a uh, Facebook page called the honest teacher. Um, and I've had him on a couple of times and we've, we've talked about, we've had some good conversations about the, the school public school system and how bad it is. So there might oh, be stuff you or others want to, want to, want to check out. I mean, it's, it, it, it gets it gets so much deeper into what we have time here to go into, but uh, but, but I'm sure if you watch those, you would be able to recognize a lot of the and and agree, kind of nod your head to a lot of the stuff that 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 we talked about. But uh, what I really wanted to get to was, you know, your your personal religious views, and you know, I, I don't mean to put you on the spot, and like you don't have to get too too personal with what, what you know what your what your, your views are. But you know, from a philosophical or theological perspective, like you know, what are your views on Christianity, religion, God, and you know, and then maybe how that relates to, you know, cause, and you've seen me on the Natural Capitalist with Reed and yeah. our Capitalist Communion stuff, and you know, some my favorite I,
2: episodes, by the way, Still, I oh, love every single one. I got to catch every single one. Yeah, like I, 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 I wish you I could and just, Will and Reed and Liam, you're you're all great. Love you guys.
1: I I, I love that. I if I could if if Reed did that like once a week. I would just quit doing my podcast and just be a regular on his, on his show. <laughs> Don't give him um, ideas. Yeah. Right. But um, you know, w- w- one of the reasons he started that was because uh, of the many different fights that happened in the Liberty movement, the Christianity versus atheist, you know, division in the Liberty movement was causing some issues. And so mm-hmm. yeah. we, we started having conversations to kind of try to showcase how to coexist in a healthy way but still be able to talk about ideas and stuff. But, um, you know, and and while I still believe in that, you know, we should obviously in, in, in sort of good faith, sort of be good teammates and, uh, and allies with people regardless of their religious views. Uh, I can't help but connect my faith to my political views. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see, you know, where you're at, in that process of, you know, as a, as a, young person trying to, you know, you've, you've, you've already like quickly figured out your politics and stuff, but oh, yeah. you know, where, where are you at as far as the, the religious stuff?
2: So when it comes to religion, I was, I come from somebody like my parents taught me like, you know, morals. I was like, Hey, Christian morals are great. I love it. But I was like, I was an atheist. I wasn't like an edgy atheist. Well, you know, I was an edgy atheist. I'll be honest here. I didn't like, I didn't like religion. I hated religion. I was like, it's all, you're all sheeple. Wake up people. I was like, I was one of those. Flying spaghetti monster. Yeah. I was like, I was like eight. I was like that one guy who hops into the, into the reed's chat sometimes when you're doing the naturalist. Are you
1: talking about H. Reardon? Yeah, him. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah I, I was one of those edgy atheists for a long time, but then I started listening to Jordan Peterson, who he he's he's an um, I, I love his work. I got both of his books, well well two of his books. I don't have Maps of Meaning yet, uh, but I got two, his two other books, uh, and I loved what he was doing. It was great. He picked me up from like a really hard time in my life where I relied on somebody uh, to kind of stab me in the back, hurt me a lot. Issues. So. Like Jordan Peterson, he picked me up a lot and like helped me f- put together more of my life. Really, I appreciate everything he does. And um, he had a guy named Bishop Barron. On. Um,
1: oh yeah, I love Bishop yeah. Barron.
2: Yeah, that man is wonderful. And uh, it made me like understand like the logical reasons. Like I think they briefly went through Aquinas's fi- like proofs for God. Like we briefly touched on those, and I delved a little bit further into those. And I was like, this is interesting. Like, I started stopped being an edgy atheist. And then, um, it's a weird story. I was like, uh, Discord's a thing. I really enjoyed Discord, I was really on that a lot. I'm not so much on it anymore. Uh, but I, I was like playing Dungeons and Dragons on there. You know, it's a, it's a long story, but I made a friend with a guy who's Catholic. And he was like, hey Joe, I know you're Catholic friendly because you're like a conservative, uh, at least socially. Um, why don't you join this Catholic discourse? Server? And I start talking to these people and they like walk me through all this stuff. And it looks like, me I'm like, Catholicism is interesting. I really like Catholicism. So eventually they get me and I start like believing more of this stuff. Like I like Catholicism because it's very much very logical and how it operates. Uh, it's less like, you know, like Southern Baptist, you know, like just the feelings and stuff. And like, it, it has a very logical approach to things because they've had like what, 2000 years to, to shape out all this stuff i know you might disagree i know you're not catholic i i, I don't believe uh
1: <laughs> caleb i just came back at the, just the right <laughs> yeah time. i just saw that uh but like
2: <laughs> i i
1: i, I well, which, well, you know what's funny there's, though there's definitely not to interrupt ahead. you too but, but we know what's funny is that like i'm not catholic uh, you know and I, I leaned reformed but i've always been it's it's weird how i feel like over half of my christian audience is catholic and are just like yeah. sitting here like like rooting for me to to c- convert to Catholicism. Uh, I actually agree with you. Yeah, do it. <laughs> <laughs> I I actually like so like part of my problem, yeah. I agree. Baptists and a lot of evangelicals, it's all That's they right. get caught up in the uh you know, the the, the feels good worship and, and sermons and, and stuff. Um and then like you know, my camp, the the reformed Calvinist part of, of Christianity, Calvinist. they're they, they take like things like sola scriptura to a sort of like pathological end where it's like they're anti-philosophy and they're like <laughs> philosophy is bad because it's a human construct and you have to derive everything straight from the Bible and and that's it. And I'm like, well, I, I believe that Bible is the, the Bible is the final authority and Catholics yeah. even believe that. But like yeah. there has to be a role for human logic and reason because how can you, especially uh, the Catholics would say, well, we get the interpretation of the Bible from the church. But with the non-Catholics, it's like, all right, well, where are you getting your interpretation of the Bible if if the church doesn't have that authority? It's like, well... We just read it. It's like, well, no, you can't just read the Bible. Yeah, I mean, and I say that almost like I should do it in Jordan Peterson's voice because, like, Jordan Peterson perfectly illustrates why you can't, you can't just
2: read the Bible. You can't just read the Bible. You got to do it in like that half Kermit the Frog voice, right? <laughs> you gotta, yeah, you got to read the Bible, you know, Bucko.
1: I I need to get uh my friend Seamus Coughlin to come on the show and do oh, Jordan yeah, Peterson impersonations, um from from Freedom Tunes, um so. But, uh, but yeah, it's like, you, you like who knows what it's like. The, Christians have been debating what the Bible says for you know 2,000 years. Like, it's not yeah. that simple to just be like, well, you just read the Bible and, and do what it says. It's like, no, like, and, uh... you, you either have ch- the church tradition that tells you what it means, or you have to use logic and reason, or I mean, ideally, both. It should be sort of that, uh, tension between tradition and and reason and what the scripture says and sort of like a a process of uncovering the truth not just and so uh even though i have some theological differences with catholicism uh i'm 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 reformed in my theology but i'm much more philosophically aligned with catholics
2: yeah, sorry. I mean, we had it set for, like, 1500 years, and then Martin Luther had to come along and be, like, a whiny little bitch and, like, knock knock some things on the doors and, and be like, and he did it like I didn't like the church.
1: He did it, like, such yeah. a leftist, too, because it's like, you know... The whole thing, like the the left can't meme because their memes are so giant and long and uncomprehensible.
2: I bet he was was a Marxist because he (laughs) he claims I'm here for the people. Uh, The church is screwing everyone over. But then I'm going to go and support the lords in their subjugation of the peasants who are revolting and giving them, and I support, the lords cracking down on peasants. Like he was very much a Marxist in that.
1: Well, he hated the Jews (laughs) enough to be a Marxist.
2: Yeah. Uh, You know, (laughs) I mean, Yeah. Like, it, it's that weird thing, like, I, I know uh, James Lindsay talks about this a little bit on, like, when he was on Reed's read show, like, he had to read Mein Kampf to understand stuff, and he's, like, talking about how, like, Hitler, like, originally started as, like, a really anti-communist guy, and he's like, all the communists are Jews, and, like, the, all the communists are, like, all the Jews are capitalists, and it's like, the Wait, Jews what? are just caught in the middle. <laughs> right. It's like, we're we're being screwed over by everyone here. That's why we're just going to own the banks, guys. Right, Yeah. <laughs> sorry but like to go on here uh but um i i really like catholicism i'm not i I, like i have a lot to work on in my life if i want to really be a catholic i need to start attending church because things are really busy for me And like trying to fit everything in my schedule like just trying to add another thing like trying to go into um go into like the integration program i don't know the exact name i probably caleb will tell me in the chat but to becoming catholic that's 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 something i want to do I just need to like, I'm just waiting until like I turn 18, move out on my own, you know, start working a job so I can have like a nice set schedule where I'm not trying to balance school, more schoolwork on top of that stuff. So I can actually, you know, give it my full faith and dedication. Like I like Catholicism. I'm very much someone who would convert to Catholicism in a heartbeat because my friend, my friend, um, I don't know, I haven't talked to him in a long time, uh, but we, we, he he really changed my mind on this stuff. Stopped me from being an edgy atheist, and Jordan Peterson helped convert me over. And I, I really like Catholicism, so that would be like where I stand on, on faith. And you know, then you dirty Protestants got to come along and, and ruin everything in the 1500s.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I I have to agree with that. You know, pro, pro you know, pro, Protestantism. I don't think has been a net good for society. You know, I, um, I, I've after, I've actually been trying to I've been like trying to find other people that have my perspective but I've been struggling to find it but um I, I've been like thinking I need to start calling myself an um, an Augustinian Catholic because basically it's like you know if, if I could have Catholic tradition and structure but if Catholicism the uh, Catholics theology was a bit more like what Augustine's was um I'd have a, mu- a much easier time doing it. Uh, honestly the the other problem is all the catholic churches around me are controlled by leftists and haven't oh. been holding haven't been holding services really for like oh the God. past 2 years. The the one there's literally a catholic church that's like a 30 second walk from my house and they they have for the longest time not been holding service and have just basically been meeting people outside to give them the eucharist and then send them on their way which is just like oh yeah, so, and I was like, okay, no, this is that's, you know, that's that's wrong. Like, yeah,
2: <laughs> like I, I like, I, like I have some legitimate criticisms of the Catholic Church. Like, I think the Catholic Church is a little too liberal, personally. Although, might some other libertarians might disagree with me on things. Like, I'm sure, like Caleb agrees with me a bit. I like how Caleb phrased it. Like any good Catholic, I too hate the Pope.
1: Right. yeah. <laughs> right now see if the catholic church was filled with people like uh uh daniel uh Wojcicki, caleb uh brown and, and you know tom woods type catholics you know yeah it, it be, we'd be a be lot perfect. better off you know you, you guys you guys need to clean your room like jordan peterson yeah. says and then we gotta we'll kick con- out the pope know. yeah
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep so but you know that's that's interesting that that uh jordan peterson was a was sort of the lifeline for you? Cause he, yeah. so like, it, it sounds like, and, and he was for me too, but in a different yeah. way. So it seems like you were sort of a, you know, libertarian atheist and Jordan Peterson sort of like brought you out of your edgy atheism. Whereas I was a cringe leftist. And oh. Jordan Peterson brought me out of that. Oh, Lord. <laughs> to a yeah. certain extent. So, yeah, uh,
2: it's just, it, I, I, think time, I think the time, I think the timing was just perfect because like, I won't go too much into it. There's like a there was a girl that I really liked and like she was not good for me in the slightest like in the slightest like there's a reason I have like social issues nowadays like trying to make friends it's because she messed with my head a lot and uh, I don't know I'm not gonna go too far into that but like Jordan Peterson stepping into my life like my parents knew that that this this wasn't good for me and then then like my, after that my dad was like started introducing me to Jordan Peterson and Jordan Peterson like honestly I say that man saved my life God bless that man I will never. I will no matter no matter how many bad takes he has, I will never hate that man. Like God bless him. I love that man with all of my heart. Like yeah. I, I I will never hate him, no matter how many bad takes he might have. Um, he's be getting I, better there lately. I like, mean, he was you know, he was he he, a lifeline, dude. He was a lifeline in like some it, it, really rough times.
1: His politics were you know eh, before uh, COVID, yeah. and then when he had his whole health thing, and he's come back. I mean, he's still not perfect, but. He's on the right path, I think. I mean yeah. the whole like when you had Bob Murphy on and Michael Malice, oh. I was like, Yes, these are the crossovers yes. that I've been dreaming of since yes. like twenty twenty eighteen and then they're finally coming coming to fruition. So, you know, I, I think it's a I think it's a matter of time. Um his, his daughter actually has a pretty good podcast too now. Yeah. Michaela. Um, and right. Yeah. She's been having uh she had Malice on a couple times. Um we gotta get Yeah, because uh, like, I think I'm, they're I'm, close I'm, friends. Yeah. So I'm I'm waiting. I was like, at some point in the future, we're gonna have one of the Petersons, whether it's Michaela or Jordan, is gonna have Dave Smith on. It's like, yeah. it's like that. That'll be the tipping point.
2: <laughs> yep that that'll that they'll radicalize them. But like, yeah, I'm I I love um I got a Michael Malice retweet once. It was because um Jordan Peterson on Twitter he was really railing against that stuff. And Michael Malice comments to me, he's like, Whoa, Jordan, when did you become radicalized? And I edit together Jordan Peterson. I put like the little black bar and it says, and I put the text that says in white letters, it says, Raise the black flag, bucko. And I put like, I (laughs) I edit a little black flag into his hand going like this. I get the Michael Malice retweet. I've gotten it twice. You know, actually, I think like four times, four times we've gotten the Michael Malice retweet from quickly, hastily edit- editing something together. One was of a liberal crying in front of a bunch of the uh, Ottawa trucks. The other one was he was like, hey, can somebody replicate the Tiananmen Square uh, picture, but we'll put trucks there instead of tanks and have uh, Justin Trudeau crying in front of them instead of the t- <laughs> tank man? And I edit that together as my pinned tweet on Twitter. I love it to death, man. I got the Michael Malice retweet for that. And then the other one was the raise the flag bucko. That was another one that I, I really, uh, I was really happy with. So, That's yeah.
1: awesome. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. M- Malice is someone I'm afraid to interact with on Twitter because it's like, it- it's such a. If you say like, the
2: wrong thing. Right.
1: <laughs> it- it's like, it's a, it's a very, uh, it's a very hard tightrope to walk. And uh, right now I'm, I'm, I'm focused on getting a Tom Woods follow. Uh, once I get. You I'm haven't like, gotten I got, the Tom but, uh, Woods follow? I haven't gotten the time. What's weird is that, like, I should, like, we're friends, like, I'm friends with Tom Woods on Facebook, and I'm in a supporters listening group, and, you know. Just go into the supporting
2: listeners and just be like, Tom, follow me on Twitter. Do it, man.
1: I'm trying not to be very autistic about it, but, you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's I don't know. I just Catholic. got it from
2: commenting on something once, and he just followed me, and I was really stoked. It was like I got the Scott Horton and the Tom Woodfall, Tom Woods follow, and like the same day, and I was really stoked about it. I don't know. I'm really proud of my Twitter, like like an autist, you know. These right. little <laughs> things that don't really matter.
1: Yeah, I know exactly. You know, but it, it, it's like I've gotten retweets and, and comments from Tom. It's just like, yeah, you know. I, I don't know if it's just like te- techno boomer, and he's just like not. You know, or just laziness, not going and click, clicking the follow button. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it is what it is. I'll, I'll, I'll like, get it eventually. Oh, he
2: insulted Adam Nutter. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Adam was his opening right. act. Maybe Adam's been feeding him false information just to get him to not follow you,
1: <sighs> dude. <laughs> yeah. The 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 whole like, uh, A- Adam and Tower Power Hour getting up on me, and then me having to like. Ride this line. I'm like, and I'm just like, what? What do I do? It's like, there's only so much defensiveness and, and snarking back I can do. Like, I'm just outnumbered. You know what I mean?
2: <laughs> it's like, hey man, I'm gunning for you. I'm gonna get you on Tower Power Hour. I'm
1: gonna do it. It, it, it. It'll it'll happen at some point. I I think. Well, Jose said he thinks the jokes run its course, and I'm like, yeah. I was like, you know, I was it's like, kind of a like, joke. Maybe it has. I said, but I, no, I, I have an idea though. I think like, if they bring me on the show. <laughs> I have an idea, I was like, because if I'm going to come on, I have to come on and do some kind of bit that's that's funny for the show. So oh, yeah. I was like, you know, cause that's what that you know, Tower Power is about coming on and like being the being worst character being the worst character caricature of yourself that you could possibly be. So um I was like, what I'm gonna do is go on there and uh cite all the Bible verses for supporting why slavery is good. <laughs> <laughs> and basically basically like role play like a southern uh southern slave owner from before the civil war
2: oh my god (laughs) oh my god i hate my laugh but man that was that was that was too good that is that is too good of a bit oh my god i i i want i'm the dream is to get on tower power hour someday like I, i i want to go on all these shows and like, this is like, I was super excited when you were like, Hey, you want to come on the show? Because I was like, Hey, I'm finally getting out there and doing more shows than just like Justin Campbell's. Cause I know I did, I did Justin O'Donnell's live show on January 6th, which was fun. It was like live on Odyssey only. And it was fun. I was in the, I was in, I was with like Cole and Toad and Masha, you know, from New Hampshire, from Massachusetts, New Hampshire. I don't know she's pretty much New Hampshire at this point. Um, and Ashton Birdie, you know, Clint's girlfriend, and we were just there and i and i and i I was like you know what? I got to have a good bit when i go on the show and so i write the night before january 6th which was like oh, this God. little like i the night before christmas but it was right. the night before january 6th and i i enjoyed it too much
1: you know what at the uh, that reminds me of a, a little joke i <laughs> um so at the libertarian party of of uh, pennsylvania we had like an we had each county came up with these little baskets to auction off to raise money for the party and because we're libertarians and we're all very mature adults yeah. um people started bidding uh 69 dollars <laughs> over and over again and it'd be like 69 dollars, nice and and spike was nice. just like you know i hate my life i'm surrounded by children <laughs> um so i decided to mix it up and one of the items came up and i went up and said i bid one dollar and six cents and at first he was like, huh? "Oh God!" And then I was like, "One six spike, one six.
2: <laughs> Why? Yeah. Why? Why, Daniel? Why? I don't right. know. I remember. Um, th- this slightly reminds me. Uh, you know, James Gentleman. James is great. Yeah, Loving yeah. the Death. Uh, he he's part of like the Minnesota Mises guys, and we're and we were like doing like convention prep. And we're talking about all this stuff. And he was like, and as tradition, when we're like reading votes, if yours is number 69, you're supposed to say nice. Right. Like if you're quoting yeah. counting votes and you're number 69, <laughs> you have to say nice. Like that's tradition. Yeah. That's, that's well, one that, of the things that I remember. Well,
1: that happened at the the Pennsylvania party. He, James was at the PA convention yeah. and we kept having to count because like people could coming and going. And then we were like, shit, do we still have quorum or not? So then everyone had to stand up and count off one at a time. And so like, you know, Four times in, in 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 a matter of a day, somebody's like everyone's like blind, like moving around in the room, like I want to be number sixty <laughs> nine. <laughs> oh God! Just like we're we're such children, but yeah, you know it, yeah. It, it's. It, but you know it's that speak it speaks to the culture that the Mises Caucus has, has, has helped to build. Um, you know, the Libertarian Party used to be uh unproductive and unfun, and uh that is that is changing. So I'm um, i uh, um, t- t- you know.
2: To put it bluntly, before the Mises Caucus, the Libertarian Party had a stick up its ass very much. Yeah, well,
1: and honestly, like, I feel like the people that we should be targeting, the Libertarian Party should be targeting, are people, like, like, in your age group to, like, college age. Yeah. But before the Mises Caucus showed up, I feel like the LP was, like, completely unattractive to to the demographic we needed to be going after, whereas now I feel like people get a taste of us and they go like, "Oh, this like these people look like awesome." Like, forget the like you know people don't join things because for the most part someone presents a rational argument to them. They join because they are inspired by the people or the culture. You know what I mean? So yeah. like, and and the, the Macy's Caucus has now become this like self perpetuating thing uh-huh. where like people want to join. Because they can feel the energy and, 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 you know, they, and they just love the, the, the people that are a part of it. So, you know, and, uh, yeah. And now you're, you're, uh, you're, you're part of it. You're, you're one, one of us. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, hey, hey, Jacob, do you think you could quickly, we could quickly take a quick break? You know, maybe you go off on a tangent on something real quick. I got to go do something real quickly, but then I will be right back because I still want to continue the conversation. I just got to quickly do something. That could be no, that's okay? fine yeah All right.
1: i I actually have something I can somebody uh'll go back up. Lewis said, uh right. Daniel, please update the podcast. I'm on Podbean and haven't had your episode since January. so I didn't even know if I did my episodes on Podbean to be honest. um I, I don't know, but I do add uh, the audio podcast is behind. I apologize for that. um, I've had just so little time to go and upload episodes. But I will get those back going uh, soon. Hopefully try to get caught up here in the next week or so and, and get those back to you. So I apologize for all my audio listeners who are uh, <laughs> haven't been able to listen to anything in a little while. Uh, so what was the other thing I wanted to talk about? Um, let see. Earlier we brought up Harry Brown. Uh, Daniel. What were we talking about? It was the quote. Uh, oh yeah the government cripples you and uh hands you a crutch so that the reason that you're uh you couldn't live without them um reminds me of my friend thomas uh thomas Queter is a tom 4 52.com uh libertarian up in new york um who um uh has has a handicap and his whole campaign is kind of uh centered around that which is a you know uh and and centered around showing how uh you know the government ha- was completely incapable of actually giving him the things he needed to, to 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 live and to thrive as somebody who suffered with uh physical disabilities um but the libertarian movement uh rallied around him and was able to give him the things he needed so i don't know i'll I'll plug that again tom for com. definitely check his stuff out it's pretty good it uh, looks like David is back. I have
2: returned. Yes. Cool. I am back.
1: Um. Cool, man. Um. Well, we we probably are running a little bit uh uh short on time here near the end. All right. Um. You know. So so here will be the last thing thing I ask you. We can kind of close out on this then. You know. Um. What are you know uh to to reach the people around your age and stuff? You know, this younger generation and stuff. What are the things, you know, whether it's, you know, uh, Christians and the church or whether it's the Libertarian Party, the Macy's Caucus, you know, like what are the things that matter most to your generation that if if we want people to listen to us and take us seriously, to have a conversation, you know, how do we have to approach it? And what are the issues that are you think that are the most going to, you know, get people's attention?
2: So. If you, if you want to get people my age, well, I'm going to say like, I, I kind of agree with Ben Shapiro on his thing. Like for my generation, there are a few issues that we're winning on, um, like firearms, like this 2A stuff. Like we've like, this is my generation is the, like the most pro 2A and second amendment rights, you know, um, since like the baby boomers. So I I think that's something valuable to look into. And that that is something that we can really work on and that we can definitely reach out to the youth. Like I'm running for the Libertarian Party of Minnesota's at large position in part because I want to work on youth outreach. Um, We're also winning like inflation. We know that we actually have answers and solutions, you know, teenagers don't like paying more for their gas or for anything. So that's going to be something that we're easily able to you know, get out there and, and, and reach people on. There's also stuff like being just anti-woke, like the Libertarian party will be the first political organization that will have become anti-woke. And just think about that. That is, that is monumental. So when the Libertarian party is so anti-woke and anti all this, like stupid progressive stuff, all those conservative kids who are seeing the Republicans do nothing, guess who has the solutions like the Libertarian party and libertarians we have the solutions, because you know what? I'm sorry, and Caleb, I'm gonna say it. The GOP sucks. They're not. They're not gonna be any use of, to you. Uh, I'm sorry, because like, l- look at how they rejected Ron Paul. Look at how they rejected Trump. Trump wasn't even a good. He wasn't even a good like liberty candidate, and they they completely rejected him and booted him from their party. They're, I don't. I don't really think that they're going to be able to. They're going to be accepting of like actual libertarian messages and liberty messaging. I, I, I. think like the GOP is not a good vessel for that. I do. I do not think that in the slightest. I, I'm going to disagree with Caleb and like the post libertarians and on that stuff all the time. I will disagree with you. I don't. I don't want to engage in Twitter disputes because again, I don't. I don't. I, I can't articulate my position well on on Twitter. I don't know. I don't want to get into arguments with though Bishop for ages about this.
1: Oh yeah. No, it's it, yeah. But, but believe me, I, I, get it. Um, I've, I've gotten to the point where I, I, I almost need to, you know, not respond to like problem is yeah. like, I'm, I'm, I'm too autistic. Like people put the bait out there and I bite it. I can't help myself. Yeah. But, um, you know, but it's Twitter is the worst platform to try. Cause it incentivizes you to just be like a, a snarky asshole or mm-hmm. to, like, you know, you're trying to condense what's really, like, you know, five paragraphs of argumentation in the 240 characters, which doesn't work. Or it's, like, sometimes I've tried making, like, a thread of comments, and then I'm, like, but that, on Twitter, it comes across just, like, it's you're ranting. like Twitter. Yeah, Twitter has this, like like, this false incentive structure where it's, like, the shorter the rebuttal, the better, which mm-hmm. is, like. But the problem is sometimes the truth is impossible to condense into a witty one-liner, but the person that does that is going to have the upper edge in the debate. So it's, it's kind of like impossible to engage in effective discourse on Twitter. Yeah. Um, You know, so I I kind of agree with you. It's sort of something to to disengage from, but yeah. Yeah. I, I think, you know, it's, there's, there's probably isolated, incidents where there's limited utility to being involved in the GOP at the local level. But I'm going to say that's, you know, the exception, not the rule um, for for the most part. Um, you know, I think that I don't know. I, I feel like when it, when it comes to this whole, back and forth that's going on for yeah. I don't know the past six 12 months I don't know how long it's been between the the post libertarians and, and the Macy's caucus style libertarians and whatnot I, I just I, I find it weird because the post libertarians talk a lot about time preference yeah and then and they'll criticize people who have high time preference behaviors which I kind of like I as a religious person and a libertarian like agree with their criticisms Mm -hmm. but then i'm like but do you not see how your whole political strategy and critique of the macy's caucus is that is is based in a high time preference yeah (laughs) it's like i I don't know it's it's it is what it is it's like i I don't think i'm going to convince any of them to change their minds because they are operating on a different incentive structure uh than i am you know what i mean like my it, it it relates to a lot of these issues like like this whole latest thing about like uh where do we draw the line? Like, you know, we have to use the government to stop uh parents from and doctors from experimenting on children with transgender S- treatments. And it's like, listen, I am you know, yeah, that shit pisses me off. I'm not uh-huh. going to sit here and make excuses for it. I I you know, I, I'm not uh okay with parents and doctors doing yeah. that. But I agree. You know, let, let's look at the consequences of like if our solution if what we focus on is using the state to stop that if we're is passing legislation to stop that. Like where does that lead? Does that lead to long-term yeah. solutions or are we yeah. just continuing this culture war and continuing this fighting yeah. over the ring of power that doesn't have any end. It's just a constant back and forth and back and forth. It's like um the best way to combat the problem is to attack it at its root, which is like, you know yeah. what? Why has the culture grown this depraved? And, um, you know, wh- wh- why uh, Why are people so caught up in this culture war in the first place? Well, it's because the state has grown to the size it has, yeah. and, and mainly the federal government. Yeah. Um, That's a federalism. Know, We have to stop... We, we have to stop being so utopian. It's like we have to realize that we cannot, like, we can't, we, we know this. We can't centrally yeah. plan society. We cannot stop every bad thing from happening. And the minute you, you know, people will get, like, emotionally triggered and go, oh, you know, all these bad things I will live with. But this bad thing, no, it's too bad. And that's where I draw my line. I'm a yeah. libertarian, but for this one thing, we yeah. have to use coercion to stop it. It's like that that's that's just not the way. Like it it's just I think what people are doing is is just like and they won't admit this, but they're emotionally triggered by something and then trying to post hoc reason their way into justifying yeah. using the state to do something yeah. and throwing out all the libertarian critiques about why that never works yeah
2: so so i i want to touch on this because i did a whole episode on this like a live episode with dl cummings and tyler yonke and we walked through like the this idaho bill and like the texas executive order and just like how we should approach the state and protecting kids and what we should do and i think there's a valid criticism to the like post-libertarian thing where like we need to we can focus a bit on culture like we need to create libertarian culture but i also think we need to cultivate like you know responsible culture because people aren't inspired by like i'm sorry like there's a lot of like libertarians who are fixated on like the issue of like drugs and a lot of the times it's not because you want like less violence in society it's because you want to do drugs and it, it's not a good i don't think it's a good like representation of the party i think we i think we should cultivate more responsible culture uh personally at least sorry maybe some left-leaning libertarians will have some more left-leaning libertarians will have some criticisms here. I think there's a valid criticism here about like approaching these issues that, that, they're, that we can acknowledge. They're very much wrong, but we need to like, I think the thing is we need to approach them like from a cultural perspective rather than through the state. If you want to stop these things, we need to do them through our communities, through raising them. If you think they're wrong and you can argue why they're wrong, then you can convince people that they're wrong, right? You can do these things on your own without using the state. And, like, a lot of times when the state does these things, it has consequences. And it just, again, it's, like, yeah, like you said, it's utopian. Ultimately, it's like, comes down to, hey, if the free market is better at, like, weeding out bad behaviors and stuff like this, like, imagine if, because, like, you see, like, a lot of these times when, like, somebody, you'll, like, you see Dr. Deborah So. And she talks about, like, all these poor times when people made this decision to transition or whatever, and then they come to regret it. That's the free market catching up with these behaviors, showing you that, hey, this isn't how it initially appears, and that can show you the consequences. And do you think that's going to convince people more? Like, I understand. I want to protect children and keep them from being hurt as well, from bad faith actors. But this has to be something we went on, like, the cultural ground rather than using the state. Because if we do that, you know what's going to happen? People are going to double down on that. Like, the people who are, like, dead set on these things, they're going to double down. They're going to double down harder against against you if you try to use a state against them because they'll just see it as validating. Very much the same as, like, this cancel culture stuff that if you cancel someone, they're going to think, oh, I must have had a point. Otherwise, why is my opponent trying to silence me? Same kind of logic here. You know, it's, like, approaching things. And, again, like, if you want a more fleshed-out, like, description of, like, what we came to again. Like, on my on my show, uh, we went over this very, very recently. Like, on Thursday, we last Thursday, we talked about this like how to how like how we should approach the state yeah i caught the tail end of that
1: i caught that. i'm always catching podcasts at the tail end just because it's just the way my schedule works out but yeah i I watched a little bit of that and yeah and i agree and it's just again it's hard to articulate especially on twitter because twitter sides with the people who are like you know making the shortest most succinct most emotionally charged statement and not people who are like you know, diving into to, to nuance and pumping the brakes on things and like, yeah. you know, I don't know, guys, let's stop and think about this a little bit more, you know, from a, you know, just a just, you know, what are the actual consequences of yeah. you know, the line of action that you are proposing? And I think yeah. you're exactly right. Like it's just going to create blowback. Like that's that's all it'll do. In the same way that uh you know Ron Paul brilliantly explained how constant regime changes and occupation of the Middle East led to 9-11 <laughs> and the blowback there. Uh, when we attack social issues with the state, it doesn't make them go away. It just causes, uh, you know, you know, we go after parent. We take kids away from parents right now because they're trying to push this gender theory a- a- a agenda on them. OK, and that, now you've given the the state even more power to take kids away from parents and created the precedent of that like you know the government can in the name of what's best for the child interfere in the sovereignty of parents over their kids and yeah. i i would never say parents own their kids but i think parents should definitely be sovereign from the state in terms of how they raise their children and how they run their families and the more we attack that the more we are you know enslaving ourselves yeah. to Uh, to the state and they're not going to use that power responsibly. They're going to use that power, you know, over the long haul, like any, any short measure, any short amount of good you accomplish in the immediate uh, future by passing that kind of legislation will be, you know, more than canceled out 10 to 20 years down the road when, you know, suddenly uh, raising your kid in the church is, is labeled as child abuse. You know what I mean? Or homeschooling. Is labeled mm-hmm. as child abuse. You know what I mean? Like think about all the ways in which uh, you know, the left will just go, oh, well, conservatives or libertarians who are doing X, Y, and Z, that's paramount to child abuse. Use the state to take those kids away from the parents. Yeah. Like that's these- that's a hundred percent where this strategy leads. Whereas the correct strategy is to recognize that we are it's in, it is impossible for us to stop every abuse and every uh, amount of evil that happens and our goal is not to attack the problem at the most immediate symptom but rather it's kind of like if I had brain cancer and I go to a doctor with a throbbing headache and all the doctor does is give me pain medicine it's like well that's not treating me that's just treating the symptoms the brain cancer is still there and the mm-hmm. longer you ignore it, it the more to your detriment it, it, it is so
2: yeah i i I agree with you there and i just think like this is a battle we need to win the culture and right now you're seeing the culture shift and it's going to shift i think more to the right honestly like like you see like there's a mass backlash like all this critical race theory stuff in schools like all this marxist stuff that you people are seeing you're seeing a backlash i think this is like you're seeing a lot of like like these bills in idaho for example that's because people voted in representatives who want to advocate these positions that means generally the population supports like they're against this stuff this is about i think this is about a we winning culture and we can't uh, and like the the markets and like just showing just how disastrous the stuff is whether it be like deborah so or like i see the daily wire they have a lot of those people who like go through like the detransition stuff like they they, they display those guys a lot you even see like blair white who went through all this surgery and stuff. And she's like, yeah, like uh, I don't know. I I respect Blair White a bit as a as an individual. So and she's like, yeah, a lot of the time, like, I don't know. Like if if we're gonna draw a line in the state, I think we should just draw the line at 18. Like, like, see, like you can't go through this sort of you can't like implement these drastic changes until you're 18, you know, like ev- with everything else. If the state's gonna be there, like if we're are if we're arguing from a minarchist perspective, and I'm all for like if we're if we have to implement it at 18 you know, make it so that you have to, like, go and, like, let the market, like, decide whether or not, like, somebody's ready for this. Like, before, like, I guess Tyler Yankee kind of described it, that Ted Kaczynski was going to be someone who was going to transition. And, um, uh, sorry, uh, that Ted Kaczynski was going to transition to become a female. And he had to go through, like, rigorous like psycho psychotherapy stuff like no well maybe not psychotherapy but like rigorous like psychological evaluation and then eventually decided i'm not going to do that so like if we if the market realizes that this stuff can have a lot of mistakes they're going to implement more more, implement more safeguards right so thus the market comes up with a solution to these things
1: Exactly. Whereas when you when you just use the state, the blunt instrument of force to stop it, it's like, well, that doesn't actually stop people from wanting to pursue the path that you're stopping them from doing it. You've just created a black market for it. You know what I mean? So and we see how black markets take things that are already not great and exaggerate all the worst elements of them and crank it up to a thousand. Yeah. And and again, it's like, listen, I'm you know, I, I guarantee that all the the people out there who would criticize me on this. It's like, I guarantee from a Christian and conservative position that I am against this crap more than you are. You know, I I view what some parents put their children through as, as like borderline, like, you know, demonic, like it's, it's, it's horrific. Um, I I am not in favor of it. I just, I don't know. I take the Bible seriously. And when Jesus says, and when Jesus and Paul in the new Testament say that you cannot overcome evil with evil, it's like, well, the state is evil. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, it's like, it's like, how, how am I going to use evil means to solve a problem, you know, such as the, the, the evil that some parents do the, to their children. It's like, this is not, this is not what Christ taught, you know, I'm going to do what yeah. Christ taught, which is to, you know, call out evil, of course, but uh, you know, I have to find means of combating evil you know, that are not just employing, uh, you know, an eye for an eye. Like, that's not what, that's just not what Jesus, I'm not, I'm not even, I'm not a pacifist. I'm just saying like, violence begets violence, you know, and yeah. at some point we have to stop, uh, we have to stop re- repeating the mistakes of the past. You know, the church was in charge of society for, you know, thousands of years. They had control of the state. You know what I mean? Like they—they they never eradicated, you know, degeneracy as it's labeled. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they didn't eradicate people wanting to sin. Like that's always—that's always, that's always going to be here with us. And yeah, you know, like you know, and, and that was true in the in the Bible. Like you know, Israel was never able to use the state to eradicate the desire to rebel against God and and to do evil. It's like we we have to start learning from history at some point.
2: Yeah. So like essentially like the the message of prohibition was like you know we want to stop like abuse in the homes and like poor drinking like that was their message right we learned that enforcement of of these like what might be argued as very good morals was ultimately a bad thing because of the consequences right like that's my biggest criticism of like the like i have two big criticisms like the post-libertarians or like the GOP libertarians a lot of the time Is that I feel like they're more Like they're more against the left Than they are pro-liberty at times And like I, and like they, they understand Austrian economics But I feel like a lot of like all that stuff But I feel like they're, they're way too willing to use state power And like the point is That you are becoming the thing That you swore to destroy right You're just becoming those Right wing evangelicals from the 90s Right like you know that everyone Complains about and hates like, yeah. I'm sorry, guys, like, I, I agree with you on these social issues. I 100% do. But I think this is, like, a cultural thing to win. This is something we have to win through the culture. Like, look at the Daily Wire. Look, the Daily Wire is actually creating culture with, like, movies, stuff like that. that, that that's how you approach it, guys. You have, to, you have to create your own culture and you have to, like, you know, convince people rather than, like, using the brunt arm of the state. Because that's just gonna. What you're gonna do is essentially you're taking a swing in the dark, and you're gonna end up breaking your own leg in the process. I, I, right. I, I don't. And then it's like I guess my other criticisms of them would be like they're arguing that the like the LP is so ineffective and useless, and it has no influence. It's like, you guys are also like the smallest percentage of people in the GOP. You will have like less influence than we do, really. It's not like Rand Paul is going up to like the post libertarians, and it's like, hmm. Andrew from Popular Liberty, please tell me about archotropism. And I'm sorry, like, Andrew, I think I, I, it's interesting. I don't understand it perfectly. I'm, I don't want to, like, catch a Twitter block or anything from that. But it's like – I'm sorry. Like, it, it seems like that criticism feels like it's a flawed one. It's like you guys have less influence than we do. Like, like people you argue are your allies, but they're really not. I don't See, know. Like I don't know. Like
1: I feel like there's a role – for some Assessian libertarians to go in the GOP and to do work there again, I, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a universally applicable strategy. I think it depends on the state depends on the County, um, you know, but it's like, I, I don't think they're approaching it in a, like, like, you know, some of them are approaching it in a very combative way. Whereas I would yeah. say like, it's better to do it. Like um, I for, I forget the guy's name. Dave did a debate, not like like a friendly debate with him on lines of Liberty. Was it uh, Eric? uh breakey i think he was also a a, a gop libertarian well he's not um, like
2: i don't think he's a post libertarian he's just no like he's a not GOP but like but he's guy. an
1: yeah but he's an example of someone who's like well i prefer to work in the gop for these reasons and it's like okay well you work in the gop we'll work in the lp and yeah. we well, can do two coalitions together. We'll, well not even we will not, i don't even wins. think we're competing it's just like well, yeah. we can work together from different points in the political uh machine right and that's what like the Mises caucus, one of our biggest things is issue coalitions, which means we will work with the left and the right on issues we are aligned are on. So that means, like, if we know of Misesian libertarians on in the GOP, then it's like those are good points of contact when we're trying to work with the GOP on something. And I'm, yeah. I have no problem with that. It's just stop making it a like stop making it a competition and stop yeah. approaching it like it's a zero sum game and Let's just all recognize that we all want the same thing, and we're all called to different uh, air We all have different strengths, and we all have different giftings and areas of competence, areas of uh, you know authority. And go where you are. You know, my, my message to everyone is go to wherever in the liberty movement you are the most useful. I don't care where it is, but don't shit on other people who aren't doing the same thing you are, because we're all different, and we're not all going to you know like. Not everyone's going to be a good at doing a podcast. Not everyone's going to be good at running for mayor. Not everyone's going to be good at doing intra party, you know, stuff. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just, we all have different, uh, th- that's the free market at work. That's division of labor. That's specialization. That's what we believe in. Um, and we just have to let that naturally happen. And, and you know, we can't centrally plan our way to liberty. It's not going to come through the actions of, of one entity that, follows a 12 step program that perfectly solves the problem. No, it's going to happen. You know what what, I like how Michael Heiss puts it. It's a decentralization revolution, which means that it's, it's, it's it's the opposite of a centralized revolution. It's, it's, you know, every state, every County is going to have to combat tyranny in its own way. Um, and, And so that's, that's what I, that's what I believe in. And, and other than that, you know, I just think that, you know, the, the last, I guess like the last thing I would say, and then I'll give you the last word and let you do your plugs. Cause right. we're, we're over time now, but, um, <laughs> you know, the, uh, the, the, the last thing I would say is just that as much as again, as much as different things going on in the culture are troubling to me. And I, we have to recognize what different spheres are meant for. Okay. Uh, The Bible, in my opinion, ordains the function of civil governance, which means that there are people that that, that there is a God ordains people in positions of authority to administer civil justice, meaning to uh, arbitrate in disputes over property rights or to uh, arbitrate in issues where somebody has committed aggression and to resolve those conflicts. God has also also ordained the church to act as a sort of moral or cultural authority. But you cannot confuse or conflate those two entities. Like government government and church are not supposed to be the same thing. They're they're just not. And although we are supposed to, I think, you know, conservatives and Christians, you know, we are supposed to fight a culture war, but that culture war is supposed to be fought in the in the example of how jesus taught us to fight it you mean um, tipping
2: over tables and bringing out a whip in the temple right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: touche um you know but for the, the you know the, don't get me started not, not you'll, you'll make me go on for another 30 minutes on that um <laughs> okay scott Horton.
2: <laughs> right like I, I i swear like just to quickly interrupt you there but like when i interviewed scott horton like i've interviewed him twice and like every time i get like four questions in and he just like it takes up an hour yeah. What does interview?
1: What does that interview, Scott Horton? One invite just, Scott Horton onto their show and then just talk. sits back and just like let Scott Horton be Scott Horton for sixty minutes.
2: <laughs> yeah, but like go on. Sorry, I didn't mean right. To yeah. No, no, it's
1: good. Um, we're we're over time, so we'll have to wrap up here. So, uh, David, give any closing remarks you have on you know the subjects we've talked about, and then let my audience know where they can find you if they want to follow you on Twitter or uh follow your podcast.
2: All right. Um I guess my final remarks here are going to be like uh so very simply uh Protestant of oh, sorry man you got to why are you going to be like that? I'm sorry. I'm not going to actually do that. But like <laughs> okay, if we have faith in God here and we believe that he is the ultimate good and he is the one he is what is guiding us what is that, that makes us the good guys, right? And you know what? Every story the good guys win. I'm sorry that's how it's going to be. Don't be blackpilled. Quit looking at things like in a pessimistic or horrible manner. We are the good guys. We are going to win. That is my message to you all. We are going to win and quit being pessimistic. If you're saying like, no, we're going to lose and where everything is terrible and horrible. Like, yeah, I'm not saying it's going to be easy. Not in the slightest. It won't be easy. It's going to be difficult. It's going to hurt. And we're going to have to push through things, but we are going to win. Because you know, we're the good guys. The good guys win. That's that's the moral of the story. And you know what? The only reason we would lose is because of people with bad attitudes that approach life with this pessimism and said, you know what? Take a little bit of a white pill. You know, be, ha- be optimistic. We're going to win. We are the good guys. Be optimistic. You know, I guess for your audience, trust in God that the right thing is going to happen because you know what? It might not even be in our lifetime that we like totally become free. But you know what? We're going to win in the long term because you know what? The good guys win. We're the good guys, right? We know what's going on. So we're going to win. be be optimistic guys That's, that's how it's gonna work here be optimistic please like seriously quit taking those black pills be happier take the initiative to make things better whether it be in the lp or the gop i don't care what vessel it is you're choosing to to push for for freedom and liberty either way we're the good guys and we're in it together let's go okay that's all that matters we're gonna win it's gonna work everything's gonna work out in the end that's that's my message
1: Awesome, man. No, hundred percent agree. Um, where, where can people find you at? They want to, they want to follow your, uh, what you're doing.
2: So my Twitter handle is right down here. Real David B. Jr. You can follow me there on Twitter. That's, uh, I don't know. I got a thousand followers now. That's, it's pretty cool. It's only joined in August. So if you want to follow me there and see more of my escapades and mate and memes and, and, and harass people to come on my show, stuff like that. You know, I don't know why I do this is because I think I saw this little skit once about somebody with a boom box holding it over their head and yelling at people uh but um you can follow me there uh in- instagram david m brady jr on instagram if you want to see pictures of my cat that was interrupting probably a little earlier in the show or uh, see pictures of like the landscape stuff you know stuff that maybe when i go off air on- during the summer i'll still be on twitter but like you can see pictures of stuff at camp when i work at the summer camp there um for my show it's the road to providence you can catch it on youtube and odyssey support us there uh, I got a Patreon there. I'm not gonna plug it on your show because this is this is my show. Uh, this next coming week, though, uh, I'm gonna be at the Libertarian Party Minnesota convention. So if you're in Minnesota, hey, come on out. It's gonna be awesome. Um, I'm gonna hang out with James and Dave Smith and uh, Patrick McFarlane from from Liberty Weekly and Josh Smith and uh, Anthony Welty. All those folks. It's gonna be great. Come out to Minnesota's convention if you got the time and you got the money to do so. Please, it's gonna be awesome. Please, Jacob, come to Minnesota's convention. <laughs> oh, uh, but but also i'd uh, love
1: to but uh, i i got i got too much crap going on and i got a 32 week pregnant wife at home so uh yeah, it's probably not the cards
2: that's understandable uh but also uh wednesday i'll have Kyle Anzalone on from antiwar.com the libertarian institute to talk um to talk ukraine and russia and then thursday i'll have Patrick McFarlane on also from the libertarian institute and of liberty weekly his podcast uh where we're going to be discussing china and like the china pivot and whether or not it's actually a threat or not and then the next and that coming sunday on april 3rd at around 6 p.m uh 6 p.m eastern 5 p.m uh central time sorry corn time uh you'll can catch my my next sunday special uh that's gonna be a spike cohen it's gonna be great i get to interview oh, him on nice. friday night so that's gonna be fun uh but then i uh, also we're gonna have lots of guests coming up hopefully i'll have to harass people get more people um I mean, so I guess follow me on that, all that stuff. Um, I just, I just, before I came on the show, I wrapped up with Josh Smith. I also have some other great episodes before that. I had one with Adam Nutter where we just talk about the PA convention and stuff. Also a little bit of like cryptid stuff. Um, Clint Russell where we talk about the great reset and how creepy and terrifying that stuff is. Um, Scott Horn, where we talk about the state of Yemen. And then we also, I also had that, again, the one I mentioned before with DL Cummings and Tyler Yankee. uh, Yemen. Um, I've, I've never heard anything kind
1: of, about Yemen before in my life. What's going on in Yemen? Yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: okay. I can't say, I guess you want this episode to be right, about yeah. Yemen. <laughs> so imagine, imagine here at the Obama administration, 2014. Uh, okay, actually, though I could, I would love, but again, like, if you want to see like more of like talking about like that's the state and protecting kids and all those laws and stuff, I uh, would DL- Cummings came on my show, and we talked about that for about an hour, hour and a half, if you want to check out that episode. And I think it was great. I, think, I really enjoyed the conversation. So you can find me all there. That was a lot of stuff, a lot of plugs. I'm really excited. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with, how, with the direction my podcast is going. Oh, you're
1: muted. Muted on <laughs> my own show. Uh, no, no, man, no, it's, it's good. You're doing a lot of good, good things out there. And uh, uh, thanks again for, for coming on uh, to my show. With uh, a great conversation, um, my closing remarks. I'm just going to quote John one five: the "Light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it." So to echo what David said, stop, stop acting like we're we're losing because we're not. Um, with that, uh, thanks everybody for watching. Again, follow me Twitter at Biblical Anarchy. If you want to support the show, it's Patreon.com/slash Biblical Anarchy, and that's it, everybody. Until next time, remember, don't fear the fire.